Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We are talking about the name of Jesus and using the name of Jesus wisely. This is lesson three on the subject. Let's pray first. Father, we just thank you for the privilege of studying your word together. And we ask your spirit to anoint our ears to hear it accurately, our hearts to receive it, and our minds to be open to it. But more than anything, change us by what we hear from glory to glory, that we might conform to the very image of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and become that for which he apprehended each and every one of us and shed his blood for us. And we believe, dear Father, to be transformed so that we can be shining lights in the world of darkness, holding forth the word of life to this generation, reaching as many as we can with the life-changing truths of the gospel. Be glorified, Father, in our midst tonight, as we give you all the praises you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Just a quick review. We've talked about how Jesus obtained a name above every other name so that at the mention of that name, every knee should bow and would bow of things or beings in heaven, things or beings on earth, or things or beings under the earth when that name is mentioned. And it's going to happen. We should do it now rather than later. Praise God. Bow to it now. You won't have to bow to it in times of judgment. And we talked about how he obtained his name by an inheritance. He inherited a name greater than any name of any angel. He obtained it by bestowal. It was bestowed upon him or conferred upon him by the Father because he merited it by his obedience, going to the death of the cross. And it says, so he gave him a name above every other name. But then also we talked about how his name was also obtained by his conquest over all the powers of darkness, over death, over hell, over the grave. We realize that Jesus came as the second Adam or the last Adam. He's called the last Adam. The first Adam failed to do what the father wanted him to do. But then Jesus came as the last Adam to undo what Adam did or what the devil did in Adam. So he came to undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil. And when he came to the earth, did you notice he didn't come to the earth to set up a religion? Did you notice that? I mean, the Jews had a religion and others had religions. He came to produce reality. He came to establish a relationship with people that wanted to know God Love God, serve God, walk with God, and be transformed or changed. Who would want to side with him to be a part of his eternal kingdom. For the kingdom of God is in you. It's in us. He came to bring the kingdom into every one of us. Not to a building, but to you and to me. And so thank God we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. As we continue our study in using the name of Jesus wisely, look at Acts chapter 19, beginning at verse 13. We're going to take these one at a time. Look at verse 13. That's 20. Let's back that up a little bit. <laughs> then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Now these vagabonds were wanderers. Some commentaries say they were like gypsies going from place to place. And what they were attempting to do was to make a living. How? 
by attempting to cast out devils and use incantations and also to tell fortunes and that sort of thing. Now you have to realize that back then, if you had a demon-possessed child, you'd pay anything to get that child free from that possession. Remember the fellow whose son was suicidal, had a suicidal spirit and brought the son to the apostles, but they couldn't cast the devil out. And it said that in scripture that oftentimes he would throw himself into the fire to take his life or into the water to take his life. Can you imagine 24 seven watching this happen in your child's life? And so he falls before Jesus and says, if you could do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And of course, Jesus cast the devil out and the, he was set free. These people are going around. They're trying to use their charms, their incantations, all the things that they've learned in spiritualism and that sort of thing to cast out devils. And people are paying good money for it. They want to make a living that way. Look at verse 14. In verse 14, we read, And there were seven sons, one of Sceva, a Jew, and the chief of the priests, which did so. So apparently, they weren't being too successful in what they were doing, because if they were successful, why would they have to use the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to do what they wanted to do? And this guy, the chief priest, Apparently, he had some kind of position of authority. Why didn't they use his name to cast out devils and demons? Well, they heard of the success that Paul had in casting out devils and demons. And so they figured they would just do the same thing. They would just use the name of Jesus like Paul did as he preached. And these demons are going to just bow because they used that name. Well, look at the next verse. Verse 15. Notice what they said. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? Now the words you see there, no. It's translated no, but they're two different Greek words. And the first one says, I acknowledge and I recognize the authority of Jesus Christ. Remember Matthew 8, I believe it's verse 29, where the demon spoke up and said, We know thee who thou art, Holy One of God. Have you come to torment us before the time? They recognized his authority. They acknowledged his authority. And they were afraid of him. So they understood that he had that authority. But the next word, no, is a little bit different. What it's saying is, we're familiar with your right to use that name. And Paul was using that name in a powerful way, casting out devils, setting people that were captive free, healing physical bodies, and so on and so forth. And so what they were saying is this, these demons, now demons talking through this guy, this, this man that's possessed with them. We understand and acknowledge the authority of Jesus Christ. We can't challenge that. We're familiar with how Paul used this name, and he's authorized to do it. So we're familiar with that as well. But who are you? We don't have to listen to you. You don't have that authority. You don't have that right to call upon that name, to borrow it from someone else's experience. Who are you? 
the man pounced on them. It says stripped them naked. They were running out of the house. Defeated and overcome. Obviously what is that telling us? You've got to have a relationship. You've got to know God. You've got to know Jesus. You've got to know the power of that name. To use it wisely and correctly. When standing against the demonic forces of evil. Standing against sickness or a disease or a spirit of infirmity or anything of that nature. It comes by understanding our need to have a relationship with him. We need to know him. Look at verse 16. It makes it very clear. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them. So that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Why? They didn't have to bow to the name. No way. So they just did what they wanted to do. Beloved, we have to have an intimate personal relationship with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to be authorized to use that name. We have to understand the authority that we have in that name and use it against all the forces of evil. It is the only name that they'll bow to. But they'll bow to it when a person truly knows his authority or her authority. Look at the next verse. Or, or, I'm sorry, look at verse 1 Samuel chapter 17. It involves a relationship of knowing God. Here in 1 Samuel 17, we have the story of David and Goliath. And there's so many ways to view this particular incident. And we're just going to look at it from a different angle. You know the story. They're sent, he's sent, David is sent just to take lunch to his brother's by the orders of his father to find out what's going on down there he hears Goliath spew out his venom against the army of the living God and of course his brothers get jealous and they want to know why he's there but he talks out and spews out his faith and just says look I'll be the one to go fight this giant and you know that story well when the giant spews out his venom and starts talking about how he's going to cut off David's head. This is the response of David. Then said David to the Philistine. Thou comest to me with the sword and with a spear and with a shield. The sword, the spear, the shield. That's how you come against me. And remember how big he was, how strong he was and how big his armor was and all that. And this is a, a ruddy boy, a young boy. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Notice those words. I come to thee. Not in my own strength. Not in the strength of Saul. Or the power of the Israeli army. I'm coming against you. In the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel. Whom thou hast defied. Now, he says this there, but back it up to verse 37, and look at what he says here. He's speaking to Saul, the king. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of, your, out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with thee. Not only did David know the Lord his God, but David also experienced the power of his name. And he calls him the Lord of hosts. Which means he is the Lord over the armies of heaven. He's the universal ruler over every force in heaven and on earth. 
names are important, which is why we have so many revelations of the name of Almighty God. Here he's the Lord of hosts. And as the Lord of hosts, he will defend, he will fight for his own. And there is no force in heaven or on earth that is greater than the power of the Lord of hosts. And that's what he's making clear to Goliath. You could look as big as you want to other people, but to me, you're small in my eyes because the Lord of hosts is on my side. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not coming in my own strength. I'm not standing against you in my own ability. The Lord of hosts will defend me as he defended me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Doesn't matter how big you are. You're going down. In the book of Psalms in verse 24, we see the use of that same name, the Lord of hosts. Get used to it. It'll bless you when you see how Jesus is your Lord of hosts. But look at in Psalms 24. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Do you know who that's referring to? Mm, Jesus. Jesus is the king of glory. Jesus is the Lord of hosts. And when you and I mention the name of Jesus with revelation, knowledge, and understanding, you are giving place to the ministry of the Lord of hosts who will manifest his glory to stand against your enemy. And he'll defeat everyone every time. So you can see why David was unconcerned about the size of the giant. And we must recognize that even every person in the Israeli army had the same covenant with God that David did. Every one of them feared the giant because all they were seeing was his size. The size of his shield, his sword, his spear. But David said, I'm not coming with a natural weapon. The weapon of my warfare is not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down a strongholds. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Look in the book of Genesis chapter 14. Here's another name that will really bless us of our God. In chapter 14 verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, or Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. Notice the name, the Most High God. That's El Elyon. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God. Says it again, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God. Says it again, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him ties of all. This name speaks of the supremacy of Almighty God. He is the strongest of the strong. He is the highest of the high. He is the most high. God. The Lord most high. In Hinduism, the belief is that 
God is a part of the universe. And that's what their thought is. That's what they believe. In Christianity, God is above the universe. God is the creator of the universe. He made all things, praise God, by speaking them into existence. In the book of Colossians, the reason why I want to bring this out is because El Elyon is revealed to us in the New Testament as being Jesus. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He is above it all, stronger than them all, higher than them all. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things it consist. He's not a part of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. Hallelujah. He's the most high. Jesus is our El Elyon. The Lord most high. And there's no one higher. His name is above all names, and he is above all things. In the book of Daniel, chapter 7, you'll recognize this name. In verse 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Here we have the term, he's the ancient of days, who always was, always is, and always will be. No beginning, no end. He is God Almighty. Look in the book of Isaiah where it's repeated here. He talks about this. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. What he is saying is this, he is the Lord God who always was, is, and always will be, who knows all things, past, present, future, he has all, all things under his control and power. There's none like him. We all agree to that, right? He knows the outcome before it ever starts. He knows the beginning, he knows the end. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end and everything in between. That's why he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's why he's not a man to lie nor the son of man to, re to repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. Because you see, he knows the outcome in advance. So if he says it, it's going to happen. There's nothing that's going to stop it from happening because he knows all things. That's who he is. Well, notice, I put this in your notes to show us just how short we fall. Tom, in 1943, Thomas Watson said, there's a world market for maybe five computers. Back in 1943, they thought he was pretty sharp. You know, he's the chairman of IBM. And that's what he thought. I guess he didn't know the future, did he? Look at the next one. 1977, Ken Olson, founder of Digital Equipment, said, there's no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. And that was just, just not too far, 1977. Hmm. Well, 
the ancient of days knew a whole lot more than that, didn't he? You see, man can't foresee things. And he's only limited to his own understanding. But not Almighty God. Look at the next one, Jehovah God. Jehovah is the corporate covenant redemptive name of God in the Old Testament. And when you say Jehovah, you incorporate the whole Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. When you come to the New Testament, we use the name of Jesus because Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation, his name is the covenant redemptive name of God or for God in the New Testament. And when you say it, you incorporate Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So Jehovah, covenant name in the Old Testament. Jesus, covenant name in the New Testament. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you have all these names of Jehovah. Jehovah Sid Canoe. It's a revelation of his character. He's our righteousness. Jehovah Shalom. He's the Lord our peace. Jehovah Shama. He's ever present in our lives. Jehovah Ruah. The Lord our shepherd. We shall not want. Jehovah Nissi. He's the Lord our banner. Our Al Shaddai. Who protects us and keeps us safe. His banner over us is love. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord our provider. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord our healer. Jehovah Makedish. The Lord our sanctifier. You take all those names of Jehovah and you put them in one name, Jesus, and you have it all. Who's our righteousness? We're the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Who's our peace? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Right? He's our Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shammah, who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And who's the Lord your shepherd that you shall not want? He's the good shepherd of the sheep. Amen. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner, who will defend us and fight for us and go before us, but Jesus our Lord. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, my God supplies all your need according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And who's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, physician, our great healer? He has arisen with healing in his wings, praise God. He bore our sickness and carried our pains, and by his stripes we were healed. In my name, he says, go cure the sick. So we see we have in the New Testament the name of Jesus, which is the corporate redemptive name for God in the New Testament. Thank God for that name above every other name. Look at verse 17. In verse 17, they learned a lesson. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. This is Acts 19, back where we were. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. You have to put yourself in that setting. They knew Paul was casting out devils in the name of Jesus. They try to cast out devils in the name of Jesus. The devil get mad, jumps on them, and just strips them naked. They go running out of the house. Man, they don't know which way to turn, what to do. Oh my goodness, we've never seen anything like this. So they learned that the name was not to be used flippantly, rashly, or any, in, in any irreverent or disrespectful way. It's not a good luck charm or anything like that. Just because you say in the name of Jesus without revelation or understanding of what you're doing and saying it's not magical, in other words. They learned something. We didn't learn this in some book where you can learn about all these incantations and all the things that they tried to do to expel devils and demons. 
fear came on them. Something took place beyond the natural world that they were living in. And they couldn't explain it. They didn't understand it. But they got to the place where they did. Notice in verse 18. As it began to impact their lives, this is what happened. Many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Oh my goodness. All of a sudden, conviction came upon them. They came clean. Yes, we have misrepresented things to the people. Yes, we tried to do certain things that we cannot do. All of a sudden, a spirit of conviction came upon them because of the power that they saw in the name of Jesus. And verse 19 shows us exactly what God wanted done. They confessed their deeds, and look at verse 19. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, the first thing that I get hit with is this. Who, who counted all that money? Chuck. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six. What was that? 990 what? Oh, let's start over again. <laughs> he wanted to make sure there was exactly 50,000 pieces of silver. So all of a sudden, conviction comes upon them. They come and they bring all their books. Can you imagine all these books and burn them right before all the people and said, we trusted in all this material, all, this, all these writings and all that, all these incantations and sayings and all that. They burned them. Now, when you do a study like this, what you discover is this. There's all kind of different weights and measures and that sort of thing. And so you're going to have various, you know, ideas as to how much this was. And so why, why I have that there is because it's a big, big gap between the two. But regardless, anywhere from $5.5 million to $1.5 billion was burned before their eyes. Would you say it impacted them in a powerful way? People want to give up all these items that they have that they hold dear to themselves. And we've learned all these charms and all this stuff. And they burned them right there. What does that tell us about what they finally saw about the name of Jesus. Oh, who needs all this? Who needs all this? There is a name exalted on high, so powerful that devils tremble, that diseases flee. Knees bow, hearts melt. Wow. And what's the name? Jesus. In verse 20, look at this verse. I pray like we've never seen it before. If you just take it out of its setting, you just say, oh, mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. In other words, the, the word's catching on. What's it prevailing over? All those books. All those 1.5 or 5.5 to 1.5 million to billion dollars worth of books. The word of God prevails over it all God's word is true God's word is powerful and that name above every other name is an, a name to be honored revered highly respected embraced by all believers and not used rashly or flippantly but oh my goodness we have a weapon in our arsenal 
of defense against every enemy, every sickness, every disease. You know what? Every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess. Every sickness must bow. Every devil must leave. We've got to get the deep revelation of what all this means. They use that name like a battle axe in ministry. Paul cast out devils and demons in a heartbeat with that name. Peter and John raised up a man who had never walked in his life in the name of Jesus. And he rose and walked. Closing, look at the believer's fourfold right. And why is this important? Because you see, those exorcists, those sons of Sceva, did not have a right to use the name of Jesus. And boy, they got beat up, didn't they? They got embarrassed, didn't they? Let me tell you something right now. You have every right as a believer, if you got saved yesterday, to use the authority of the name of Jesus to live a victorious life. Number one, it's your birthright. Look at John's gospel, chapter one. It is your birthright. This is a fold four, fourfold right to use the name of Jesus. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Who gave birth to us? God did. And by birth, we have a right to the family name. And just in case we might doubt that, look at Galatians chapter 4. Not only is it by natural birth, or I should say supernatural birth, but also by adoption. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We've been born into the family of God. We've been adopted to the family of God. And our hearts cry out, Abba, Father. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. An heir inherits all that the father has. And we have a right to use this name, which is the family name, the name of Jesus. So number one, it's a birthright. Number two. Also, it's by conferral. He conferred this, uh, I'm sorry, by baptism. By baptism. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. By baptism. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, begins preaching and teaching boldly in Jerusalem before all the people that wanted to kill him before. But he's got this newfound boldness. Then Peter said, after they finally realized, what, what must we do to be saved? Peter said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice, our baptism identifies us with Christ. If you are baptized in Him, that means you're identified with Him. It means you died with Him. You were buried with Him. You were raised with Him. You were seated with Him. Right now in the high heavenly places. But look in the book of uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. This is from the uh, Good News uh, translation. You were baptized into union with Christ. And now you are clothed, so to speak, with the life of Christ himself. 
Oh my, did you get that? You were baptized and now you're clothed with the life of Christ himself. So by birth, by baptism, and then also by conferral. Look at number three, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, conferred upon us. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So now we see the power of attorney, the conferral. He says, You're going in my name. And in my name, preach the gospel and make disciples, disciplined students of all nations. A disciplined student is someone who sits at the feet of his master. That's a disciple. Looks into his eyes. Looks all of his facial expressions. Listens to his words. And then after absorbing all that he can, he walks away and begins to emulate his very life. That's a true disciple. A true disciple is not one who just, well, I got saved. I'm going to live the way I want to live. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. A disciple is a student of the word of God. And that student wants to emulate the life of his Savior. We've been commissioned, praise God, to go forth in his name. Let's, which is next. Look at number four. We have the right to conduct business for him on this earth because he's given us the power of attorney to do so. But number four, our fourth reason why we have the right to use that name is because we've been commissioned. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. We've been commissioned to go forth as an ambassador for Christ. Look at this verse. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. Notice the word ambassador. That's a representative of the highest order. You're in the highest standing. You're sent to a foreign land where you transact business for the government that sent you. Remember Jesus said, as I was sent to the world, so send I them into the world. Remember that? He sent us into the world. Why? To represent ourselves. To do our own thing to act in our own stead for our own part, whatever we want to do. No, no, no. He said, I'm sending you as I was sent by the Father. And you're going as my ambassador. An ambassador has the whole government that sends him standing behind him. So when David said, you come with me, against me with a sword, a spear, and a shield, that's all you have behind you. But let me tell you, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the whole government of heaven, the captain of the armies of the living God is behind me. And let me say something about this. Jesus is our Lord of hosts. And in Revelation chapter 19, beginning at verse 11, one day he's going to mount that white horse and one day, He's going to come with the saints with him. And he is going to finally once and for all destroy every enemy of God's. 
He's the Lord of hosts. He's coming with the vesture dipped in blood. Mm, glory to God. He's coming again. Now, as an ambassador for Christ, we've been in commissioned to go forth and transact business. But look at these verses where Paul did exactly what he was commissioned to do. Acts chapter 9. This is his commissioning. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. To be He's speaking of Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul after this. And they were questioning whether or not they should do anything for this man, because he was going there with papers to, to put people in jail that were Christians. But he sees Jesus on the Damascus road, and when he does, he's blinded. And then he is at this place where he's going to be prayed for. And the fella, Ananias, says, I, I, we're afraid of this guy. Jesus said, look, go your way. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear what? To bear what? My name. Before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. How many of you know that the Orthodox children of Israel don't like that name? Hmm? Don't believe in that name. They don't believe he's a Messiah. But he was told he was commissioned to go and bear that name. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for, why? My name's sake. For my name's sake. Oh, you'll be persecuted for using it. But that's okay. He'll defend you. He's your Lord of hosts. Going down to the next two verses and three verses. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians but they went about to slay him. All of a sudden this man who was opposed to all that Jesus stood for sees him on the Damascus road and now he is a sent one, commissioned as an ambassador to go forth and take his name, bear his name to the world. And everywhere he went, he used the power of that name as a battle, acts of ministry, casting out devils, healing the sick, setting the captives free. Because he knew the authority he had and he knew the power of that name. Beloved, to use the name of Jesus wisely means we study to know the authority of that name. We don't use it rashly. We don't use it flippantly. We don't use it religiously. We stop and we think. Think about this. There's a challenge that you face. It might be a situation where it's a demonic influence or spirit that's involved. A lot of people cower in fear. Back off. What are we going to do now? Why is that? We haven't taken the time to think about the tools that God has given us to use. It is an unfair advantage that we have over the devil. All he has is his name. You know, dressed in red with a tail and a pitchfork in his hand. The spooky one, 
Slewfoot, foot, whatever they call him, Slewfoot, that old serpent, the devil. You have the name above all names, the name of Jesus. When released through your lips in faith, every knee will bow, every tongue confess, every demon would flee, and every sickness would depart. Oh, thank God for the name of Jesus. You see, there's a loved one out there that's being harassed by the devil. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We know what we're going to do. Look, they're in this and they're in that and the other thing. Stop for just a moment. You foul devil of hell in Jesus' mighty name, I rebuke you. You get off my son. You get off my daughter. You get off my father. You get off my mother. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Now, you have no authority. I break your powers in Jesus' name. It has to bow. It has to flee. Because you're authorized to use that name. Um... Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Chuck, I know. Bill, I know. Dave, I know. Chris, I know. Dan, I know. Bernadette, I know. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Don't you want to hear that? Absolutely. I remember one time going to the hospital to pray for somebody. And when I got up to the room to pray for these people that I never knew. And the son had a demon spirit in him. And when I got up there, the mother looked at me and just said, I know we don't know you, but is your name Bill? And I said, yeah, my name is Bill. Said some, about a few, couple of minutes ago before you got up here, my son was saying, Bill's coming, Bill's coming, Bill's coming, Bill's coming. And I knew, just cast the devil out of him in Jesus' name. He had some mental issues. He was delivered and set free and made whole right there. See, the devil knows who you are. Isn't that good to know? He knows who you are. And he will bow to your authority in the name of Jesus. We have really not done our part to use the greatest weapon that we have on this side of heaven. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus spoken in faith will turn the world upside down, right side up for him. The name of Jesus will cause cancerous tumors to dry up by the root and leave a human body. The name of Jesus will grow a left pulmonary artery to normal size when the doctors tell you your son doesn't have one. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? In the name of by the authority of the risen Savior and Lord who authorized me as an ambassador to use his name, I stand against and just name it. Look, I thank God we've got in place security here in our church and we appreciate that very much. I don't know if you heard about it, but Victory uh, in Cranberry had someone in to go in and break into a, a prayer meeting they were having, about 100 people in there making terrorist, terroristic threats and they had to call the police and they came and took them out. That was on the news to, to, to today. It was on the news just today. And we thank God for people that are there to help out in security. We thank God for that. But you know what? The greatest force that we could possibly employ is in the name of Jesus, commission holy angels to surround this place. Whether it's here 
where we gather, whether it's out there as we travel, whether it's your child going somewhere, we need to believe and have faith. Believe that that name is all-powerful. And that name, praise God, will keep safe and divinely protect our children. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. Can you see yourself rising up when the doctor says you've got this, you've got that, you've got the other thing. What are you going to do now? Oh, thank God I've got the name above every other name. I trust not in chariots. I trust not in horses. I remember the name of the Lord my God. You know, that's what faith is all about. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And one day it clicks, it registers, praise God. I see it now. Get out of my body. Dry up by the root. You leave in Jesus' name. Cancer, I am applying the name of Jesus to you right now. I'm telling you, I'm not tolerating your presence in my life. My body's not yours to inhabit or to live in. As far as I'm concerned, I am free because the Son set me free. His name is Jesus. And I am free, praise God. Put pressure on the thing in the name of Jesus and push it out. No trespassing. I belong to God, been bought with a price. The blood of Jesus Christ purchased me and my body belongs to him. And the only right for anyone to live in it is his. I invite him to live in me big. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm, getting, I'm just getting fired up. Hallelujah. There is a name above every name. Name a name. Oh, there's one so much higher. Our Father, where is He at? In heaven means He's above it all. He's the Lord Most High, the Most High God. Sees it all, knows it all, hears it all. You can't surprise Him. Hallelujah. He's authorized us to use the name of His Son. To reign as a king in the realm of life by one Christ. You better stand up or I'll just go all night long.